welcome to episode 139 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Off-Topic Podcast. Not a slave to fashion, not attached to current events. I am Mike Solosi, and I'm your host for today, and today we're going to talk about a topic um, near and dear to my heart, but before we get to that exactly, uh, let's introduce our panelists. First, Keegan Lee. Hello, everybody. And second, Emeritus Staff, Stephen Myrick. Oh, oh, hold it! Objection? Yes, that's me. Ah, okay. And take that! We also have Bridget Choi. Hi. Now, today's episode is going to be all about the Ace Attorney series. Phoenix Wright, Apollo Justice, Athena... Oh, what's Athena's last name? Sykes! I remember. Athena Sykes, of Sykes. course. I should have known that. she's psychological. Yeah. Oh my I god, get I it. just realized. Wow. <laughs> okay, now that is just instance one of probably 47, where I'm going to get someone's name wrong in this series, because there are hundreds of names and hundreds of puns involved uh, in all of these various colorful characters of Ace Attorney. But um, before we get to that, I want to talk briefly about how I assembled this panel. Uh, we had been kicking the idea of an Ace Attorney episode around for some months, and Keegan and I were you know, on our, pl- our planning page get- setting that up. And when we were getting the rest of the panel together, I went and decided to reach out to two RPG fan people who I know are huge Ace Attorney fans. You know, By chance, they happen to be staff that I, you know, worked on the site with for many years, but are technically no longer writing. Bridget and Steven are both retirees. Uh, Steven, the last time you were on a Retro Encounter episode was in late 2016, I think, for that Kingsglaive episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it's been it's been a minute. And Bridget, I have been pestering slash bullying you off and on for over oh, <laughs> at least a couple years to try and be on the on the podcast but you ended up leaving the website before it happened so i had to bring you back from the dead <laughs> bring me back from the dead and now i'm now i'm inhabiting the podcast like in the ghost trick guy <laughs> yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh i wish we had saved that segue for later that's good but uh, I, th- I think some ghost trick might sneak into the conversation later. It's from Shutokimi, the uh, creator of Ace Attorney. But um, let's uh, get back to Ace Attorney. It is a long-time uh, visual novel-slash-puzzle-slash-interrogation gameplay series that started out on the Game Boy Advance around 01 or 02. And there, uh, the first three ga- Ace Attorney games, which are called Gyakuten Saibon in Japan, which I think translates to Turnabout Courtroom or Comeback Courtroom. Uh, Steven, is that fair? ish yeah okay <laughs> all right steven the <laughs> japanese language expert and i do not i do not speak two words of japanese so that might come up later in the episode as well but uh the first three ace attorney games were on the game boy advance and then the first those same first three ended up having remakes on the ds and those ds games were released worldwide the first one uh was fairly early, I think around 0506 on the DS, and then eventually all regions got most of the Ace Attorney series, except for the second Ace Attorney Investigation spinoff, and the uh-huh. two and the two uh, great Ace Attorney 3DS games. But um, those might come up later. For now, we're going to stick to how each of us individually got into the series. So uh, starting with you, Stephen, um, around when do you think you got into Ace Attorney and what maybe was something early about the games that drew you in? 2015. Was it 2015? Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, well, uh, for a really long time, people had said that I should get into Ace Attorney because they're full of puns and there's lots of good writing. Um, the first few were translated by my favorite translator. Um, A.O. Smith. And I love adventure games and naturally i ignored everyone for over a decade um 
So, uh, in 2015, I was living in Japan with uh, my closest friend, and he was among the many who was, hey, you should play Ace Attorney. I don't know how you haven't played Ace Attorney. It's you in video game format. And then right around that point, or maybe a little before, the uh, trilogy came out on 3DS. Uh, So, I bought it and played all three of them in like a month and a half, two months. Then I played Apollo Justice. Then I played Dual Destinies. Uh, So I would say from like mid-2015 to 2016, I got caught up uh, on the main numbered games. What did I like about them? Uh, They're well-written. I think I'm less aggressively against some of the weaker cases. Like I know people often mention the circus cases being terrible. Um, it's not the case. It's one witness in that case. But we okay, can, well, we, you can talk, like... we can talk about that later. Right. You don't like the clown. My my friend. No, I hate the clown. A, my friend said it was just a bad case. If you um, press one of his jokes, you lose life points. That is dumb. Uh, it punishes you for trying to be inquisitive. But yeah, so I think for me, it's the overarching narrative, especially between the first three. Um, I really like Apollo Justice. I do not like Dual Destinies very much. Um, but I think part of it, uh, there are things I like about Dual Destinies, though. Uh, but I think for me, with the first three, is it's that it's a lot of setup and plot threads that come together over the course of multiple games. Um, and I think, in particular, the last case of three really resonates if you've played the other two. Um, and, it, you know, you've played through all of this. Uh, and, you know, I think the series knows very well how to pull at the player's emotions, especially if you're invested in the characters, which after the first three, I feel like it's pretty easy to feel that way. So yeah, that's, that's sort of what I like. I think they're well-written and they, they know which heartstrings to tug. You can say emotionally resonant or, you know, emotionally manipulative, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) depending on how you want to frame it, I guess. But um, the, they absolutely do a good job, both, uh, I mean, I, I think that your um, statements hold true, Stephen. The writing is excellent in all of the English language versions that I've played, and they especially, I mean, almost all of them basically have a completely wild ride at, for a final case, and they really do a good job of bringing everything from each individual game together in those final cases. But we'll talk about them more specifically later. Uh, Keegan, what, how did you get into Ace Attorney, and what was something, like, early on that drew you in? It's funny because I genuinely do not remember when I bought the first game. It was the first DS game, but it's like an enigma. Like, I remember <laughs> the first Dragon Quest I played. I remember the first Final Fantasy game I played. But, like, Phoenix Wright has just been there in my life. Like some horrible creature haunting me. <laughs> you were born and someone gave you a DS. Yeah, that's all I can remember. <laughs> it's like that was a very folkloric element to it. <laughs> yes, it has always been here, and it will always be here. <laughs> but um, I think the big draw for um, me when I was younger was that uh, the Ace Attorney series was the first visual novel I had ever really played, and I didn't even really know about them back then. So being able to play this game that was just a ridiculous amount of story, it was super nice, you know? I was never really much of a book kid or even, like, a TV kid, so having something to focus on and read, like, a... <laughs> like a Spanish soap opera was amazing. <laughs> oh it's beautiful. Every episode just builds on the last till it gets more dramatic. You're not wrong. I mean, this has elements of lawyer and cop shows and elements of soap operas in it. I'm not going to deny it. 
Yeah, why do so many people die in LA and then frame other people for the murder? Uh, well, yes, it, it, could, it could be worse. <laughs> this could be set in like a tiny New England town, like Murder She Wrote, or uh, or like a you know a quaint, Brit- a, yeah, a quaint British village, like a like an Agatha Christie short story starring Miss Marple or something. But, like those seem to have outsized number of murders, like just way <laughs> too many. But uh, but when it's a major city like like you know a cop show like LA or Chicago, it's like oh, there's crime every day. Okay, sure, I, I accept that. But I mean, Ace Attorney also has a, some confusion on whether it's set in California or Japan. But I uh... mean, it's definitely <laughs> set in Japan. And then they like try so hard to be like, it's in America. <laughs> I think yeah. um, our, our mutual friend Derek Heemsbergen even had uh, the title of his um, of, of one paper that he wrote in college was uh, like, enjoy your hamburgers, uh, like uh, uh, t- t- referring to you know how all of yeah. the very unusual um, sort of Americanization of the, the localization of the Ace Attorney games. but Yeah, it's actually a really interesting point um, because the series hasn't rebooted. And I think it's it, with some exception, you don't really have a lot of uh, series that have had one continuous narrative that's meant to be, you know, ongoing that have come through that many generations of games because when they first localized it, you know, the status of, Japanese to English game localization was sort of different than it is now in that they made choices to sort of update the setting to California with the first three, which I think is a little, it's a little more doable than, you know, you had some, some weirdness, like when you go to Maya's hometown in the second one, um, which is clearly, you know, a rural Japanese town with a, you know, with, with a uh, temple and everything, but so, that's you know, not I, what Northern California looks like. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, so I think... Parts you know, of Northern I, California, maybe. So I, I think you run into this really interesting thing where those choices made early on were right for those first three games. You know, some might disagree, but I, I think that maintaining the spirit of the jokes and rewriting new ones worked out well for those. But as the series has went on, it's sort of made... You know, it's a little more vague in terms of the setting, but the, it's sort of become more of a an obvious clash between the American versions of the game and the Japanese ones, uh, particularly with, like, you know, Six. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Six has and... much more of a sense of place than the previous five, because uh, I think five, uh, three out of the five cases take place in the fictional nation of Kurain. But, right. Uh, and as a... There's that one, like, case in Six where it's, like, super Japanese with, like, the noodles. Yeah, there, there's a case that's all about udon, and one of the, um, and and one of the, like, the sticking points of that case is being allergic to wheat versus buckwheat. Yeah, <laughs> it, and it's, like, it's, like, how... This is so so Japanese and like. Okay, and it's sorry to interrupt you, Bridget, but that 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 uh, that same case also has Rakugo comedy as one exactly. of its sub one of its subplots. So it, it's Japanese as hell. It really messes with your sense of place. Yeah, I don't but, know. It's just like hard for like. I feel like that would be really hard for somebody who like doesn't know like anything about Japanese culture. They'd be like, what is happening in this case? Yeah, like, I literally well, like learned have... about Rakugo comedy from an episode of Common Rider that I saw less than two years ago. <laughs> right and like you know you have an apollo justice there's the noodle cart guy who's just like who hangs out in los angeles in this area and sells this particular kind of noodles and this particular kind of broth and it's like he's selling ramen although actually maybe in los angeles that wouldn't be that unusual i don't it know would, it would be a food truck and not a noodle cart but you're but, yeah. absolutely right mm-hmm. but um you know so just the last thing i wanted to say about that is that you've seen i think the ultimate 
example of that clash with the great Ace Attorney games, Daigyakuten, Saibon 1 and 2, uh, you know, I'm sure there are many reasons they have not been localized. But one of them is that you have a lot of really challenging things that they would have to reconcile because it takes place in Meiji-era Japan and in England. And it relies on this very specific historical context. And they, you know, they say that the main character is an ancestor of Phoenix's. So, you know, you'd have this thing where it's like, okay, how are we now arguing that this guy from Los Angeles in the American version has a Japanese ancestor who went to England and worked with Sherlock Holmes? You would have to really reconcile the fact that because they have essentially created two different universes, it would be very hard unless they just said, oh, this is a spinoff that doesn't have anything to do with modern Ace Attorney. I mean, I, mean, I guess he could be like Asian American. Yeah, yeah, as as someone who selfishly wants those games localized in English, I think they would just give him a surname other than Wright and say that Phoenix is, you know, part Japanese through his great grandfather on his mother's side, or so, yeah. something like that. But uh, I, I agree. Um, the sense of place is real weird, uh, in part because of the localization of the first couple, and they've sort of written themselves into a very strange corner with the setting of these games, and I, I don't know if that influenced the decision not to localize those two uh, Daigyakuten Saibon games that are in, you know, Meiji Japan and Victorian England, but yeah, I'm, I'm just a little disappointed that I don't get, that, I, that I can't play them, because I, as I said in an earlier podcast, the only character in Japanese I know is the one that appears on Akuma's back when in Street Fighter 2. <laughs> but yeah, it's a shame because I I think those ones are the best ones since the first three. <laughs> but we're gonna roll it back a few conversations ago, talking about how we got into these games. Uh, Bridget, it is your turn. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, no, we're good. No, no. Hey, as long as we're as long as you find things to talk about, I do not mind at all. Just letting the conversation wander a little bit. But <laughs> uh, but I am gonna bring it back. Uh, Bridget, what is something early on that grabbed you about these games, and around when and how did you get into Ace Attorney? Yeah, so I started playing. I started the series with the Leighton crossover. It was my all first... right because I, I thought you. I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Bridget, but haven't you told me that you kind of don't love Leighton? Oh yeah, but so okay, okay, I'll get into that. Okay, <laughs> so... okay, sure. Because all right, I'm I'm already confused, but please continue. Okay, so I it was like my birthday in 2017, 20 I don't I think 2017, 2016, and um my boyfriend at the time he took me to GameStop and was like you can get any game you want and I was like all right we walked around for a while and then I was like I don't know what to get and then he was like hey have you played Phoenix Wright or Professor Layton and I was like no and then the entire everybody in the GameStop stopped and like looked at me and was like what wow that's either of those that's that's terrifying including like a cop there was like a cop there it was like oh oh, it it couldn't get scarier it turns out there's a cop and then there's your first grade teacher and then there's like there's an actual lawyer (laughs) and and then like someone's murdered there (laughs) but um yeah so so then they were he was like my boyfriend was like here you should play the crossover game so you can get like a sense of both of the games and um i I liked both of them, but I definitely liked the Ace Attorney parts more, the Trials more. And and so then the game, I think it came out either around that time or right after, but 5 came out right after, I think that's Dual Destinies. I don't, like, know the yeah, subject. No, 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 Dual, Dual Destinies is 5, and that one came out a couple years ago. I, I wanted to, I would guess, maybe 2014-ish, I think. Okay. When Dual Destinies oh. came out. And then uh, I finished 5, and then I told my roommate who is, like, 
also into like shipping as much as I am. And so she was like, "Oh, you should play four. And she, she just kind of like oh my me under my bedroom door. And uh, so so my order was really weird because I played the crossover and then five and then four and then I did one two and then six came out. So I played six and then I finished with three. So. I think you ended with the two best ones personally, mm-hmm. but uh, that that is an unusual order to play them in. It's probably not what I would have recommended. Yeah, and and so because I played three last, like I mean three I think is the best, but I um I remember <laughs> I played six and then three, and then I talked to you, and then you were like, "Wow, so Maya's comeback in six meant nothing to you." <laughs> and that's true. Oh. Cause, like I didn't get like the sense of like, "Oh, I miss Maya from four and five. And, yeah, I didn't get that. And especially since um, I mean, I, I played them basically in order, and so when Maya left. In Trials and Tribulations, I played that in probably 07, 08, and then she doesn't come back until I uh, until I play a Spirit of Justice in 2016. So I had been waiting for Maya to come back for eight years, <laughs> and all the, and uh, all we got all we got I think was a letter that she writes to to Phoenix in either four or five I forget which, but yeah, uh, but yeah, like it's I'm I'm not saying that. If you're a newcomer to the series, you should wait eight years between playing three and six. <laughs> but uh, that that does, you know, I mean, I mean, not seeing the progress of it would throw me off a little bit. But um, but hey, I mean, you've played most, if not all of them, and uh, and you really got attached to the characters in them. Am I am I not mistaken? Yeah, no, that is true. I think that um, one of the reasons I I've talked to a couple people, and a lot of people don't like four or like Apollo Justice, and what? I think. I think it's like has to do with like is like you don't have to you don't play as Phoenix and so then and people are like oh who's this new guy and they don't like don't like Apollo and then they just straight up don't like how Maya is not in it and they miss Maya which is fine like that makes sense but like and then but maybe some of that that then like goes on to like there's like hatred of Trucy because of that I love Trucy I like Trucy too because she's just so silly. But... I I I don't love Trucy, but I do like Apollo. I think I think I get, I was interested in Apollo Justice basically from the beginning because I really liked his vest. And so <laughs> it's like like that vest, that tie, and Emma's back from the uh, from Case Five of the first of the first DS game. This is pretty cool. And and I Forged also steel. Yeah, and I also like uh, <laughs> I like Phoenix's um, knit cap that he wears when he's when he's uh, a justice hobo. Oh my god, <laughs> Phoenix. When he's like a dad, oh, it's, he's like sort of sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I, I, on a sort of related note to that, actually, I think what I like most about Dual Destinies and Four is, uh, is that the, they put Phoenix in this new position of like, yeah. you know, you you've already resolved Phoenix's you know personal issues from one to three, and like you know, so now you have this sort of new challenge of him having to wrangle all these damn kids <laughs> and, you know, he's like dad Phoenix, but like, as a result, like, you know, I feel like in the first three you have Phoenix tries to be straight laced. Maya messes with him and it's funny. And then obviously they tried to recreate that with Apollo and Trucy, but then yeah. in, in five, you sort of have Phoenix becomes goofy again. And it, you, know, it, you have Athena's there. So Apollo becomes the one who's like super straight laced and put upon all the time. But then, like, Phoenix is wrangling all of these, like, wild people in his office, like a magician and a psychologist <laughs> lawyer person and Apollo, who is just perpetually angry. Uh, and I just, I love the, like, I think that's the best part of that game is the ridiculous family that Phoenix is trying to wrangle in that one. 
Yeah, and um, part of why I like Spirit of Justice is pro- it's probably my second favorite one. Second favorite after the third one is because the family's finally back together again. Because you have Apollo and Trucy and Phoenix and Maya and Athena and the uh, the, the the samurai weirdo from Dual Destinies, <laughs> like 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 all in the same place interacting. It's like oh, it's finally this is just like everyone's reunited and is at the top of their game. It's like. It's like finally it's like the uh when you're watching one of the Fast and Furious movies, one of the later ones, and it's the second or third scene where all the five or six people from the previous movies all like one by one walk into the garage. It's like, "Yes." Yeah. <laughs> We're um, finally going. But uh I'll briefly talk about what uh um how I got into the series and then we'll oh, yeah, go yeah. semi chronologically through them, I guess. Uh I remember hearing about them for the first time in my college game club in right when this was coming out in 2005 and I didn't have a DS yet but a couple people in the club were very very pro Ace Attorney and I'm like what the hell are you talking about a lawyer puzzle game what on earth is this and <laughs> but then I I think I uh one of them let me play the uh let me borrow her DS for a two days or something, and I played just the prologue case, and I'm like, okay, I need one of these DS things, and and not just for Ace Attorney, there was a bunch of stuff on, good on the DS by then. So I, when I got my first DS in 2006, um, Ace Attorney was an early purchase on that, and since then I've basically played all the ones that have come out in English as they've come out. I uh, didn't play Leighton vs. Phoenix Wright until earlier this year because I didn't have a 3DS when it came out, and then it became kind of hard to find, and it was like worth it was 60 or 70 bucks on eBay for a while. Oh, but really? I but I finally got a hold of it and played it just last month, or maybe maybe it's been two months ago by now. I'm not sh- I'm not sure. Uh, just the days and weeks are just a, a swirl in my head, <laughs> punctuated by roars from Monster Hunter characters. Uh, so I've played all the ones that have come out in English. I think that three and six are my two favorites. Uh, I don't love the witch shaming in F- Professor Layton versus Phoenix Wright, and uh, <laughs> and I'm a little bit salty that we never got Ace Attorney Investigations two or either of the Daigyakt and Saibon games because I've heard all three of them are good. But again, let's go back to the very first game. Now, uh, the DS version of Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney is a little weird because it's a remake of a GBA game, but the GBA game was just those first four characters. I'm sorry, four cases. With Manfred von Karma being sort of the final boss of Ace Attorney 1. But then they added the fifth case for the DS version that has a bunch of like forensics tasks and more touchscreen integration. Mm. And yeah. that, that case is goes a little long, but um, it, it does introduce you to Lana and Emma Sky, who do become minor characters later on in, uh, in Apollo Justice Onward. So, for me personally, I remember just uh, loving the reaction shots of the sprites, <laughs> because uh, the character sprites in all of the Phoenix Wright games are very large, they'll take up the whole screen, or, or most of the screen, and when they react to things, it's in a very cartoonish, very snappish manner, a lot of the times with a, like, like with like a whip crack sound effect, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and uh, and every time I finished a case, I was always delighted by the quote unquote death scene of the of either the killer or the or the opposing prosecutor or something. They they would always have these dramatic changes to their character and like and I mean maybe it's even Kabuki influenced or something. Like it'll be these this like fifteen second long crazy animation of them admitting guilt. And and like the uh, the final boss, quote unquote, of 
case four is Manfred von Karma who just like smashes his head against the desk, <laughs> and uh, and there's like a like an ethereal roar that's going on in the background as he's um as as he is finally forced to admit defeat after being this undefeated prosecutor for forty years or something crazy. Uh, so I, I like the character um, gestures and sound effects and death scenes was something that really hit me hard out the gate on uh, the Ace Attorney series. Um, uh, Steven, is there something that about the first game that you specifically remember loving the first time you played it? How fabulous Kenji is. <laughs> uh, Ken, Miles, uh, Miles, uh, Miles Edgeworth in, uh, in English and uh, Kenji something in the Japanese versions. I mm. really, th- uh, so obviously that was kind of a joke, but I do, I do like Edgeworth. Uh, yeah, for me, it was just the song it plays when, you're, when you have uh, the cornered theme, you know, the iconic Phoenix Wright song. The song it plays when Phoenix is really pressing someone and is about to win the case. Yes. Um, that song is great, um, and that sort of goes back to what I said earlier about it really like grabbing the right emotions of like, you know, they really make you want to solve the cases. And when you get to that moment where Phoenix is like pulling it all together, he's just like, "Yes, get him, my sweet cinnamon boy," and it's <laughs> wonderful. Uh, so yeah, that's what I liked, and also you know the puns and stuff. I think are you know I think some people don't like the puns, but that's you know that's kind of how it's written in Japanese. That's that's the series. You know, it's silly, um, it's light, it's fun, and you know I've I've always felt that you can get better serious moments when you're willing to have fun with your characters too, and because you know you have all this goofy stuff and Maya's so silly that when things get serious, you have experienced a more full range of emotions with your characters. There's that shonen anime element of just like, yeah, that's right. Phoenix beat the unbeatable prosecutor because he had pluck. (laughs) (laughs) And because the unbeatable prosecutor had a bullet in his arm that uh, for fear of of admitting defeat, he left in that arm for 20 years. Yeah, Yeah, he would get lead poisoning and die. Doesn't that get infected? Like if you leave a bullet in there? I think it would, yeah. (laughs) Probably, yeah. die. Manfred von Karma is very, very dedicated to not admitting defeat. <laughs> so, so dedicated he refuses to die, because that would be the ultimate defeat. So, also, just as a matter of, of record, I am saving my explosive energy for when we get to the third one, and I just lose it about how amazing it is. So, you know, just be aware. <laughs> right on. So, Bridget, what was something about Ace Attorney 1 that you remember loving in particular? Um. Yeah, so... Uh... I honestly, like, because I didn't play it in order, I played, like, the more ridiculous ones first. And so then when I came back to one, I was like, this is really serious and, like, not as funny. Um, especially because, like, uh, Edworth is just, like, so serious. I guess he's ridiculous with, like, his, like, floofy like, clothes and stuff. But I don't know. But um, the first, the first one... I'm surprised you didn't mention anything about the, like, Jackhammer and Will Powers, the... Uh, the like the kids show stuff like oh thought... oh yeah like like silver samurai and gem and ninja yeah, yeah. oh i i i mean i mean of course they they have tokusatsu in the game that just endears <laughs> me endears it to me more mm-hmm. yeah so uh, that was that was cute um i guess like the the dl6 incident is like something that we should talk about um but i don't know like i, I just thought it was like so it was like scary and like serious and like i was just like man this poor child like witnessed his father dying like and then thought he was the oh my god i just like felt so sad yeah no wonder he's such a sasuke yeah and and, uh, <laughs> and edgeworth slash kenji really softens up in the like in later games so it probably was weird like ha- you're used to a much 
you know, a much more cuddly Edgeworth in the yeah. later in the later series, and then going back to Phoenix Wright one, it's like, oh, what stick he's is a... up your ass, Edgeworth? Come on, man. <laughs> he, he's a little more Edgeworth and a little less Edgelord uh, later on. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, oh, you were missed on RPG Fans Podcast, Stephen. You truly were. I saved it for Phoenix. So Keegan, same thing for you. Is there, uh, what jumps out to you about that first game that you remember many years later? Because again, okay. this, this is p- perhaps predates your childhood, if I remember. Oh yes, uh, I was born in 2012. In case anybody didn't know, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> you just age super no, fast, I... just like Robin Williams and Jack. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so I remember uh, specifically um, the moment in Case Three. I'll try not to be super spoilery. But um, towards the oh, end please. of the we're, last... we're, we're going to spoil the hell out of all of these games. So, um, yeah, uh, uh, listeners, beware. Okay. So um, towards the last moments of the investigation in the uh, third case, you finally come to meet the producer of... Oh, I should explain. The third case involves the uh, Steel Samurai kids show. Yeah. Uh, one of the actors has been murdered. Uh, another actor has been, you know, arrested, trying to basically save that other actor's life. So... You get to the producer, you have all the information that, hey, you might be responsible for this. And you show it all to her, and she's like, oh, okay, well, here's my counterpoint. And she just brings out an entire mafioso group, (laughs) basically spelling literal doom for Phoenix and uh, Maya. The screen goes black, then all of a sudden, Cornered picks up, and your boy Dick Gumshoe bursts in and literally saves Phoenix and Maya's life. Oh, Dick Gumshoe. That made Dick Gumshoe my favorite character and also kind of cemented these twists and turns that happen throughout this entire series, you know? Oh, it still gives me shivers right now. Often, maybe too often, like Phoenix and Apollo and Athena almost stumble their way to a not guilty ver- verdict just by pulling new uh, lines of inquiry and evidence straight out their ass just to, and then, and maybe, you know, tricks a witness or a prosecutor into a mistake. And it it almost, it almost makes them seem like less good at their jobs, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, it's like, it's like, Oh, it's like, Oh, come on, Phoenix. Right. Like, like, shouldn't you actually have case law or something to cite in this, in this, instead of, you know, logic that you don't even seem to understand yourself. Yeah. That is one of many good examples of, some real strange out of left field endings to cases. I guess yeah. like something also uh, that I forgot to mention too is like in the very beginning, the first trial, you're with with Mia. Um, Mia oh yeah, okay, I know and where this is going. Immediately dies, and like it's crazy. And then and she she dies, and her sister is blamed for it. And like I'm like, oh my god, this is just a shit show. Like I mean. Yeah, so so that was that was weird. I mean, Mia shows up throughout the rest of the series. Anyway. Yeah, it's perhaps worth noting. Uh, Mia is Phoenix Wright's mentor, and she is a in a very you know a very cool lady suit, and but she also hails from a family of spirit mediums. And her younger sister Maya uh, is charged with Mia's murder in Case Two of Game One. And after Phoenix resolves that. Maya becomes his sidekick, and Maya also occasionally channels the spirit of her older of her dead older sister. <laughs> and as we all know, when you channel the spirit of your sister, your breasts grow. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, that that's just physics. Uh, and and also like Which spirit, is probably yeah, spirit. one of my least favorite parts of the series. Yeah. Probably. And, well, spirit channeling and uh, Maya taking on the identity of dead people is a recurring thing in the series that sometimes gets very weird, but is... Uh, 
is first experienced in that one. And and though I haven't mentioned this yet, but if any of you are interested in um, the films of Takashi Miike, that multi-genre Japanese madman of a director, he did do a live-action version of Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, and this, he doubles down on the spirit medium stuff. Like, like the, oh. <laughs> the very first scene of the movie is Mia and Maya's mother channeling the spirit of the victim of the DS of the uh, the DS9 incident. Like and and like it even goes to a scene in the underworld. It's completely bonkers. Uh, oh. the, the the movie is like briefly sort of breezes by cases one and three, and is really about uh, Mia's murder, and then case four is sort of what ninety percent of that movie is. How is the movie? It's not bad. It's it's very cartoony and silly. Um, but I I enjoyed it watching it. I like Mike a lot because. I mean, the dude is so crazy. Like, I don't, I don't even want to begin to describe Ichi the Killer. And he, he did, he did one horror movie in his entire career on a lark, and it's the scariest horror movie I've ever seen in my entire life. So he's just a, he's a very talented, but also sort of crazy, fast shooting director that goes all over the place. I think, I think he's like a Japanese version of Rob Rodriguez, except better. Hmm. Um, but yeah, the the, uh, the live action Ace Attorney movie not bad, worth worth checking out if you've played the game and enjoy the series a bit. Uh, but um, mostly, I'm like a fan of Mike and Ace Attorney, so of course I'm gonna watch Mike's Ace Attorney movie. I watched like a little bit of it, and then I was like, these look like people in cosplay, <laughs> and just like kind of yeah. I mean, God, like like Larry Butts's character in that movie is real silly, like um, almost too silly. Hey, if something stinks, it's probably the butts. Uh, <laughs> but he does he, he does save case four with the uh because he was listening to the radio on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, he does, that's true. Gotta but uh anyway, that's Ace Attorney one. It's it's uh maybe a little bit unsophisticated and a little bit overly melodramatic compared to the later games. With some exceptions, but uh, because they hadn't really quite figured out all the characters yet, especially Edgeworth, as as we mentioned. But Godot it's... is looking at you with disdain right now. <laughs> oh, 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 Godot, yeah. So that's that's totally fair. Godot's Godot's maybe my favorite prosecutor in the whole series. What uh, about Clavier? Oh my god! <laughs> I, I oh. like I like Clavier quite a bit, but uh, I I would rank Godot ahead of him. Godot's amazing. But but Clavier is so hot. <laughs> He does have very sexy hair. I cannot deny that at all. <laughs> I, I I can't. You're. I'm not on video, but sips coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm currently thrashing around a whip right now. So, but that's um, just me. Oh, Speaking I mean, I guess we could move on. Oh, Whoa. all right. Well, <laughs> let's see. Um, so Keegan, uh, let's talk about Ace Attorney Two and Francisca von Karma. Yeah. All right. But please, Keegan, before you go into it, answer me this question first. What's the most ridiculous thing about Francisca? That she is 16 years old and defending in court. That she moves from Germany to whatever country they're supposed to be in and is able to, you know, immediately go defend murder trials. <laughs> or that she is is openly whipping the judge <laughs> with a with a bull whip during cross examination. Which of those three comes across as silliest? Could I also I... add one more to that list? Oh, please. Go for it. Uh, the Harry Osborne syndrome of, my father was a murderer and a psychopath, but I'm really mad at you for pointing that out. <laughs> oh, true. There's so, all right, so, so A, B, C, or D, Keegan? Which, which one is the least plausible thing about Francisca? Oh, God. Honestly, if <laughs> I really think probably D, whipping people constantly in court, <laughs> I feel, would instantly including get you the taken judge. out by a bailiff. Yeah, including the person... <laughs> 
who decides like how would he just not go all right uh oh god i forgot the term for it uh detained. what is it when a no not detained but when mistrial? they screw up a court case mistrial yeah oh, c- contempt of court yeah she, should be, court. she yeah. should be held held in contempt for every line of dialogue she has <laughs> I think they tried to do that. I think the judge was like, bailiff, come in. And then she, like, whipped the bailiff. Well, never mind. I, I don't remember that exact scene, but I believe it 100%. <laughs> These Californian judges are too weak on crime. Look, it's not like she was pulling out a sword and cutting anyone's hair off in the middle of the trial. Which does happen in Dual Destinies. And maybe also Spirit of Justice? No, I don't think so. Okay, yeah, he only shows up in one case in Spirit of Justice. So, um, I will say about, uh... Uh, Ace Attorney 2, I feel like it's a better game than 1, but I feel like it's less important to the overall arc, considering the first trilogy. I agree. That's very fair. It introduces Psyche Locks, which are a, uh, you know, a, oh, a, yeah. a, a visual representation of breaking down interrogation subjects during the investigation phases of the game. And, uh, mm. oh, and listeners, I'm, if listeners have made it this far, they probably know that the game is half investigations and half, uh, and half trials. And, but in, in the investigations are basically, you know, old school adventure game, like find all the things and talk to all the people before you can get to later parts of the story. But um, I, I think Ace Attorney 2 is the weakest one. I really liked the final case in it, because, again, every final case in every Ace Attorney yes. game is, 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 a, is a wild ride. But especially because I think it, it might even be the only time in the series where Phoenix defends someone who was clearly guilty and his uh, and his guilty verdict that has that basically results in um, his, uh, <laughs> his client to go into hiding because his client accidentally angered the hitman he hired is... Uh, is a confusing but but cool ending to Ace Attorney Two, which otherwise I think has, you know that that circus case. I I I know it's cliche to hate on it, but I don't think it's. A, I think it's one of the weaker ones in the whole series. It's a real circus. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I agree with you though. Like I think the the last case in that in that series uh, in that game is like so good. And I was thinking, like, when I was playing these games, because 2 was my, uh, the fourth or fifth game that I played, like, I was like, does, do you ever lose? And is it part of the story that you lose a case? And then, and then I played this one, and I was like, oh, yeah. And, like, when you're, like, when I'm watching Pokemon or something, and I'm like, oh, does Ash ever lose? And, like, it's just like... He always then, loses. <laughs> no, he only loses at the very end. Okay, the, very, yeah. the entire series he wins, and then at the very end he loses. But, like, the, when you lose, then you, like, become, like, an actual, like, you become more real, I think. And so, then I was like, okay, cool, he's yeah. finally lost. And as an aside, I mean, I think it's ridiculous that basically every Ash story arc in Pokemon is Rocky 1. It's like, why can't he have a Rocky 3 or Rocky 4? It's always Rocky one. <laughs> he's, he's gonna he's gonna lose at the end, but he'll be okay with it because he learned or some BS. I don't know, whatever. So when yeah. did when did Rocky get caught up in the crossfire between Mew and Mewtwo? <laughs> I was gonna say is Ash gonna end the Cold War? <laughs> okay nine, okay nine. I had been asking my friend when I was playing the games, you know, because we lived together, so I would like offer my commentary on the games as I went along. And I think in the middle of two, I was like. Does Phoenix ever have to defend someone who's guilty? Uh, he was like, I don't know. Maybe you should, you should play the series. Um, and I think they did a lot of interesting stuff with that. Uh, I like the bad ending in, in 2, uh, if, you know, if you fail. Um, you know, Phoenix quits lawyering. It's very, like, grim, but it's also 
I think it's an interesting, it's sort of in the way visual novels with multiple endings, you get to explore different aspects of these characters that you might not see if there were only quote unquote one timeline where everyone's successful. Oh, I didn't um, know that at all. Yeah. They, yeah and and that you, ending to the last case is, unless you can really suss out the weird logic of the game, it's not easy to understand what you have to do. Because uh, Gumshoe bursts in, it's like, hey, I raided the evidence locker, and here's three things that might be important to the case. And you have to pick one of those items and present it to one previous witness and get the exact combination right to win the day, basically. Right. So and, and, you know, if you fail, it's the first time they use the Phoenix head in hands emote um, oh wow you know oh, really? that's that's where it comes from it is from two if you fail the case and maya gets uh i think i think maya gets killed or mm-hmm. just oh disappears God. or whatever but yeah phoenix like gives up and quits being a lawyer uh and the ending is like sad phoenix um wow so i think that i thought that was a really interesting moment um and i think it's one of the first times where the series has some sort of a challenging moment for phoenix outside of just like yoku gambare shonen hero like it also is a good, I think, foreshadowing of how personally affecting the cases in the third one are going to be. So overall, I think two is a better game than one, but I actually think it's a worse experience, uh, except for the final case. Um, mm-hmm. And that's because I feel like the final case is sort of the first hint of what they're going to try to do in three. All right. And l- let's move on to three. Uh, Ace Attorney three called Trials and Tribulations uh, in the United States is many people's favorite, I, I think, or it's a common favorite at least, because uh, the stories are hella dramatic. The f- final case is maybe the craziest case in series history. And there's two flashback cases where you get to, you, uh, where the you know central character is a young Mia Fey, who is really cool. Like, I, I, I loved using her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think by and large, I mean, what's interesting about 3 is that, you know, there's really only one unrelated case in 3. In three. Almost all the uh, cases are... Oh, is it the, are, Yakuza, the Yakuza one? I think so, yeah. But, like, almost all the other cases, in fact, I think all the other cases feed into the fifth case, or the final case. Right. Yeah. Because there's the, there's the first one, which is a Mia flashback, where she's defending Phoenix, and they end up convicting Phoenix's girlfriend, Dahlia Hawthorne. And then the second one oh. is, is the second one is the, is the second one is the and I'm going to go through the whole story because it'll frame us talking about case three. Uh, okay. The second one is they de- he's defending a uh, I don't remember all the details of case two, but I know that the uh, uh, I, I pulled it up. Oh, oh, it's the the fan the art thief. Oh, oh. yeah, that right. one that one's not related to uh, that one really isn't. But uh, okay, well, but the third one is amusingly a uh, a, um, a a yakuza thug impersonates Phoenix in an unseen trial, which puts a bad loss on Phoenix's record, and then the real Phoenix Wright uh, defends the the oh, defendant yeah. in the retrial, and then it ends up working out. But case four is another flashback where Mia uh, and her um, and her former superior uh, oh shoot, what's what's Godot's real name again? Oh. Diego Armando. Yeah, Diego Armando, that's it. Um, her and her former senpai Armando uh, in, <laughs> in an, an earlier case... Pr- previous to game to case one where uh dahlia hawthorne is accused of poisoning someone again and it comes out and uh it it, but it ends up working out poorly and uh, diego armando dies under mysterious circumstances and it comes out that basically what happened and this isn't through part of like part way through case five was that dahlia hawthorne was what uh murders poisons this person and uh but hides evidence in a uh 
in a what was it a, a badge or a card something that she gave Phoenix. She she hides the evidence somewhere and Phoenix Wright ex, like accidentally accepts it as a gift. No no and no it was it was a necklace. It a was necklace a that was it yeah it was hidden in a necklace and uh, Phoenix becomes very attached to the necklace and Dahlia dates him for a year trying to get the necklace back from him. And uh, but then it comes out later in case five that it was uh, that uh, Dahlia's sister Iris insisted that Dahlia not kill Phoenix, and so she took Dahlia's place for a year, dating Phoenix and trying to get the necklace back from him. Um, right, it, it, and it also <laughs> it also turns out that uh, Morgan Fay from Phoenix Wright Two uh, is yeah. part of the final case. So that's it, right. Yeah, it, you know it ties in all of the sub stories from the series. And yeah, yeah, Morgan Fay, who is Mia and Maya's aunt, uh, tries to use her ne- her daughter Pearl, which is Maya and Mia's adorable really? young cousin, right? Love her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And she tries to get Pearl to kill uh, Misty Fay, Mia and Maya's mother, who has been a children's book author in hiding for some decades. Yeah. <laughs> and but then, uh, basically. In order so that Pearl doesn't accidentally kill her aunt slash Maya's mother, um, Godot performs the act instead. And Godot is a mysterious coffee-loving prosecutor that's was the prosecutor in cases two and three. And uh, it, basically, all of the all of these characters come to a head. Basically, everyone in the entire history of the series, except for Larry Butts, well, no, including Larry Butts, yeah, is yeah. involved in Case Five. Uh, and for one part of the case, when Phoenix is absent, you use Miles Edgeworth both as a defender and as an investigator. So it's fun getting to um, control Miles for the first time. Oh, that yeah. was so good. There's yeah. there's a lot going on in Case Five, and uh, yeah. and maybe the craziest moment in it, in my opinion, was. When uh, Dahlia Hawthorne comes to the stand mysteriously, even though she was executed years earlier, it ends up being Dahlia's ghost possessing Maya. Yeah. I... Oh my god. <laughs> it's completely insane. Uh, it's, 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 it's hard to explain, but when you're playing it, it comes together so well, which I think oh, yeah. is why it, you know, it's, it's a good mystery in the tradition of you know your Agatha Christie type stuff. It's riveting and mind-blowing as you're playing it, but uh, explaining it now, I, I probably sound like a babbling crazy person. <laughs> I think, so, you know, you, you were, we were talking earlier about our favorite moments in these um, in the series, and it's really for me, my defining Phoenix Wright moment, and the reason I think I haven't been quite as high on the series since 3, even though I've liked them, has been that I don't think they've ever quite touched the moment when you are finally solving the case. Like, you know, Mia shows up in the background with Phoenix as you finally figure out that it's Godot that is responsible for all of this. And, you know, you point out the visor and, you know, you, you know, the lights go out in the courthouse and his visor turns back on. And it's and, like, and that's cool why, and that's why like, Pearl was able to identify who, who was there in total darkness. Right. And yeah. of course the most important moment is when Phoenix finally does the super objection with Mia it plays a remix of the corner theme from the first game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as you sort out the ultimate mystery and uh, you know, it's just like, it's, it's a great character moment for Phoenix. It's a perfect to me culmination of everything that they've been doing. Um, and again, most importantly, they play that amazing version of the song from the first game. So, you know, they just, again, they just, they know exactly how to get the right emotion out of you to feel the way Phoenix does when he's like, I finally got it. It's so good. It's a tremendous moment of release and catharsis. It it really ties pieces together from every game in the series and every major character in the series. It's 
it's it's crazy. And I and part of why Bridget, I recommend playing the first three in order if you can. Bridget. <laughs> <laughs> Story wise and narrative wise, the third game is probably the best one, and its uh, its final case is awesome. Well, it's a good thing I didn't play like three first, right? Yes, oh, agreed. Yeah. We are we are in agreement there. Um, uh, Keegan, is there something that, about that final case or anywhere in uh, in the third game that you particularly remember that we haven't brought up already? Because we've, I mean, we've run through a good three quarters of it, I guess. We've hit the heart of it, but personally for me, my favorite was being able to play as Edgeworth for a short time. That was cute. Uh, he is my boy. It's the reason why I love the Ace Attorney Investigation game, not the series, because I haven't been able to play the second one. Ah, right. But uh, I've got a lot of anger for that part. Man, it is just a good it is a good culmination of everything that's been going on. I think um Edgeworth coming in in that game is like really it's really cute because like there's a part where they're at the temple or shrine or wherever they are. I think it's a temple and then and then there's like an earthquake or something or there there's something that like trembles the ground and then Edgeworth just like freaks out because of the earthquake that happened and that we talked about in case one or that we found in case one i mean game one and yeah. and like phoenix is immediately like how is edgeworth is he okay and he's just so worried about him and i'm like oh <laughs> naruto loves sasuke <laughs> I, I was also very amused that um, um edgeworth borrows phoenix's magatama so he can see psyche locks on characters oh, yeah. and when he sees one for the first time he goes ah yes phoenix described these to me these are psycho locks <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just uh, I, I, again, they'll still, even though this is very serious murder cases, uh, they'll still, you know, have moments of levity like that that I appreciate. <laughs> but um, let's stay on the subject of Edgeworth. Uh, there was that spinoff game that you mentioned, Keegan Miles, hmm. uh, which is called Gakuten Kenji in Japanese, or Ace Attorney Investigations Miles Edgeworth in English. They released two of those on the regular DS, and we only got the first one. Um, I think it's maybe the worst Phoenix Wright game, that first Investigations game. It's fun controlling Edgeworth, but it's basically just everything moves much more slowly, and the trial segments are a lot less exciting. My, my favorite part of it, though, is, the, again, the final case is pretty crazy, because you're, um, you're finally outing uh, an assassin that had gone undercover in a foreign nation for ten years or something crazy, and you have, and basically the final boss is diplomatic immunity, and you have to <laughs> basically work your way around uh, a dip, a you know a, a foreign national living in Japan slash California, basically find a way to pierce through their ultimate end boss armor of diplomatic immunity. It's it that's cool, but mm. it, it it really crawls even for even for a series that is sometimes slow paced. And I, I can I understand that. I don't really recommend it unless you're you've basically exhausted all of your other anime lawyer, lawyer options. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the slow pace of it, too, um, kind of comes from how the game is structured itself. Because uh, for those who haven't played it, rather than the original uh, Phoenix Wright games where you're examining a straight screen and just clicking around on that, with uh, Ace Attorney Investigations, it's more akin to an actual uh, point-and-click adventure where your character is moving around on the screen and has to move from item to item to actually, you know, figure out what it is so i can understand the slowness argument i that's that's totally fair and i accept it is it slower than the case they added into one with with oh no no that is a (laughs) the case in one the the final case in ace attorney in ace in investigations is about that level i think 
You think so? Yeah. Uh, they're both slow as hell, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to play that find that added the the added case with with Emma like in the first game, and I was just like, I don't know what's going on. I don't like any of these characters. Who is this cowboy? Who is this girl selling lunches? And like, I just wasn't into it at all. And then like, but I was going through it just because like I was going through it and then and then i said something about it um on twitter and then steven immediately was like that case is really bad just skip it I was like, okay <laughs> i did like the villain in that case though i the, thought he was genuinely uh, like intimidating the police oh, yeah, commissioner oh, yeah. um yeah gant mm-hmm. yeah like he genuinely felt like a serious threat like you know if we yeah. mess up here all of our lives are ruined yeah. and and his transformation from like uh from like smiling goofball into into rage monster is pretty good but but again i I love villain transformations and i love villain death scenes in this series (laughs) yeah another like villain transformation is the oh what's his name but the the dude uh matt on guard yeah oh yeah um, in in, uh in the second game when when he like when he flips back his his hair he flips back his hair and there's a nasty scar it's like uh oh man but that's why like three like was it's so good because it like it brings everything together and like very well, but I was so scared like all throughout three because I'm really bad when people trick me and when I like trust somebody and then it turns out they're the bad guy. Mm. And that's like all oh, three is. That happens like three times throughout the game. Yeah, and that happens probably at least ten times throughout the series. You must have, you have, you must have had a very stressful <laughs> play experience, Bridget. Yeah, no, it was the uh, I like had like cold sweats throughout that game. And like at the very end when you meet Iris and she's like mm. super nice, I was like so like I I want I want to trust you because you're so nice, but like are you just gonna do the same thing? Well, I mean they break one of the rules of detective fiction and have you know multiple cases end up with identical twins shenanigans, yeah. um, which I, I think is sort of cheating a little bit. It's like oh come yeah. on when it, yeah. when it's when it's multiple personalities or identical twins, I, I roll my eyes every time. Yeah. Um, but let's move on a little bit. Uh, Ace Attorney Four ends up, is a bit of a turning point for the whole series because, uh, I, I've, in a previous case, Phoenix has been disbarred and he's lives, living as what I referred to earlier as a justice hobo, and he has a uh, he is being defended by a young attorney named Apollo Justice, who could not have a more obvious name. <laughs> but uh, but from the from the first to the end, they introduce a lot of crazy stuff. Uh, uh, Apollo is able to notice tells in uh, his in witnesses by um, by his magic bracelet. But he can but if he notices someone, you know,'s eyes shifting or or uh, or like hand moving, he'll focus on that part of the of their testimony to try to suss out what is like what needs to be done. It's um I, I think it added some cool mechanics that weren't in previous games. Uh Emma Sky, one of the main characters in Case Five Ace Attorney One, is now the uh investigating detective instead of Gumshoe. Bridget and Gavin and Claudia Bridget, it's and my boyfriend. Ta- it's it's, ta- it's time to talk about the Gavin brothers. <laughs> and um yeah, well Kristoff is evil and very manipulative. And also like pretends to be nice but turns out is terrible. Oh yeah, God, you want you want to talk about a betrayal. He's <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, he seems like a nice dude in case one, but at the very end, he's re- uh, revealed to be the murderer. And then he comes back in case five, where he has been revealed to be manipulating everything from the very beginning. Right. But uh, you finally shut him down because for some reason they tried, they decided to introduce a jury trial for the first time in the series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I think maybe that first case is like the first time that's ever happened, where like your assistant turns out to be. 
the the killer and I think it might be the only time. <laughs> but then there's um then there's Clavier who is my boyfriend and who is very attractive and uh, also also gay for Apollo, <laughs> which is fine. Okay. Oh, oh of course it is. We're we're um we're accepting of all peoples and creeds and preferences on Retro Encounter. And he I plays mean, the guitar. Yeah, he plays. He does. It's, it's so obvious though, because like when you first <laughs> no seriously, like when you first meet him, he says, "Wow, I've never felt this way for a man before." And I'm like, "Okay, guys, like it's like, it's like okay, come on." <laughs> this is like they the, have to know what they're writing here. First of all, that's a lie. Oh wait, who else? What? Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I was just being facetious. Like, you know, he's like, I've never felt this way before. It's like, oh, yes, you have. Don't lie. To me. <laughs> um, yeah, and and so then, like, I don't know. And then Apollo kind of battling against how flirty Clavier is is like so funny. Um, and then and then he has that like ridiculous like rock band. It's like it's like full of lawyers and police officers, and they just make like weird lawyer songs. He is very snazzily dressed. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure it matches up to Godot's uh, vest or Edgeworth's cravat, but it's very, very good. It is good. He's he's very sexy. And then he comes back in five, but he's like better art now. And I'm like, oh god, kill me. But yeah, like Ace Attorney Four, um, it's a little weird. Um, we were talking about how uh, how Phoenix his, his attitude changes in Four. It was a little strange to me playing them in order, where Phoenix is you know again stumbling on his way to a, a not guilty verdict in most of the first three games, and then in Four he's very in control. He's giving very sage and calm advice to Apollo. He is the most chill he has ever been by far in any game. And uh, but then in, in five he goes back to his old cow- uh, outfit and is back to you know stumbling into justice again. <laughs> it was well, a, it was like oh this isn't the same in control Phoenix I remember but now I mean now he's like a surrogate father to at least at least two or three twenty uh, somethings. Uh, he's like running an orphanage. Yeah, <laughs> basically an, or- an orphanage. An orphanage like... for wizards and lawyers. <laughs> You're not kidding. <laughs> the right anything agency. Yeah, and then uh, and then Apollo gets Apollo gets another father figure in Ace Attorney Six. In, in fact, Jesus, Ace Attorney Six just might as well be like like Apollo's dad's the game. But... <laughs> that's, that's like something that people have said that like Apollo, like his mom is actually alive, and like so much of it is him being like, yeah. I'm an orphan. I'm an orphan. I don't have any parents or family. In and, in, like... in four for sure. Um, and but then in in five. In five, he gets really angry. He's like, he's like, uh, I mean, if like young Phoenix Wright is like Dick Grayson Robin, he is definitely Jason Todd Robin oh, in, yeah. in Ace Attorney Five. That's a, a DC Comics reference that probably not every viewer is going to get. I apologize. But the, <laughs> for the uh, viewers who don't get it, I'm very spooky and I wear a cape and have an eye patch now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very spooky. And also, I hate my lawyer dad. Yeah, it's. Uh, we'll talk about Apollo's many dads very soon. But the uh, where we are now in Ace Attorney Four, it, Apollo and Trucy are half siblings, but it's uh, and their mother is a major witness in two cases and is on the surprisingly on the jury for the final case, which seems like a conflict of interest. <laughs> if her, if both of her children are involved on one side of the case, but yeah, but like they don't know that she's her mom. They do not. They do not. They both. They both know who their father is. Um, Trucy's father is Grammarier. This. Uh, this guy from a long line of magicians who's the victim in case one and apollo's dad is jove justice which is an awesome name who is uh who was revealed in the ace attorney six to be a traveling musician who died many years ago 
Um, and and Apollo is significantly older than uh, than Trucy, so it's like so it's like oh yeah, it's their, their mom just had two kids from two different guys several years apart. That's that's not crazy, but uh, yeah, I think people resented um, Captain Saban for Apollo Justice because. Because um, it, it, there was no Maya, Phoenix, you never you get to control Phoenix in the courtroom, and uh, who's, this, who's this interloper with weird hair? It, it's, it's not the kind of spiky hair I want in my anime lawyer. I think another thing is just that, like, I think Phoenix is just so different in 4, and people are like, no, I know Phoenix to be this kind of person. And right. now, like, a lot of, like, Apollo has, like, like the snarky attitude, and then... But, and then, like Phoenix is like just like some weird hobo guy. <laughs> but but I think Ace Attorney Four is really good. Uh, it's it's less attached to the first trilogy than uh, maybe any other game because yeah. there's no, there, there's no Maya, very very little spiritual possession, um, yeah. and you don't even get the Pearl cameo that Ace Attorney Five has. But Kristoff is a really good villain. Clavier is a really good uh, opposing prosecutor who may or may not have a love connection with with Apollo. <laughs> and, uh, and, and and there is a lot of big drama and sort of cool machinations throughout the game. But they're still sort of figuring out uh, Apollo's mechanics. You don't get the graphical bump that the 3DS games got, uh, being the, the last of the DS games. Yeah, I, I think it's good. I don't think it hits the absolute highs of the series, but uh, it's, it's, fans got to play that one. It's, it's not, I'm not going to call it bad or disappointing. It has one of the best soundtracks in the series. It does have a very good soundtrack. <laughs> Different composer, I think, is part of the reason. But S- Sasuga Steven, our former head of music at RPG Fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but let's move on a little bit. Uh, Dual Destinies, the first 3DS Phoenix Wright game, if you don't count uh, Layton versus versus Wright, and it also and the first one to feature a whale as a witness. Cor- only the yes. DLC, <laughs> but yes, you defend an orca in the DLC case in in Ace Attorney Five, and. It is crazy. The whale is not very helpful, much less helpful than the, mul- than the, than the multiple parrots that you've had on the stands. <laughs> the whale is not very helpful. No. Who could have known? He's a very friendly, very happily, happy-faced animated whale, but seems unnecessary dragging a tank that size out in a court of law. <laughs> yeah, Dual Destinies um, brings out uh, a new character, Athena Sykes, who we mentioned an hour ago, <laughs> and uh, and she, I think her gameplay is cool because she has some device that is allowed to analyze uh, the witness's state of mind, and if and uh, the the contradictions you find with her are like, hmm, when you said this, you should have been surprised or scared, but you were neither. Why is that? So like, and the detecting anger, surprise, sadness, happiness in during people's testimonies is a I think an interesting wrinkle to the cross-examination gameplay. Um, now, Stephen, you said you sort of fell off the season—the series, season, excuse me—fell off the series after Dual Destinies. Um, what's what are things that worked and didn't work for you on that game? Well, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it was just Dual Destiny's fault. At that point, I had played five Phoenix Wright games in a row, and <laughs> so burnout might have been a factor. And the games got a lot longer with Dual Destinies. There's a lot more just incidental dialogue. Uh, there's a lot more just talking, talking, talking. Um, I think, let me start with what I liked about it. Um, like I said, I really liked the whole Phoenix is this den mother for all these wayward souls and Apollo. Uh, and that Apollo is always put upon. I liked that they tried to do a Phoenix Wright three style thing where like they bounced around in time for the final case. Um, the animations are great. You know, even though I, I in some ways miss the old sprites, uh, I think the new animations are so well done that 
It's not the worst thing in the world. Um, yeah, I think it lacks the snappiness of characters changing expressions really quickly. Again, you often with a whip crack sound effect or a, or something. But um, right. But but the the and the new animated characters do look good and smooth. I'm not, I don't want to I don't want to go back to the old way necessarily. Yeah, the the meltdowns look great, you know, and that sort of thing. So it's not like it's all universally bad stuff. Um, what I didn't like was, first of all, uh, Phoenix's new voice actor just completely flubs the objection. Like, it's just like, <laughs> objection! And I'm like, no, 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 no. The no. objection is just this limp noodle of a thing now. No, it's um, got to come from your gut, not from, you know, the, the not, no, come on. And, and the, steel. Exactly, exactly. I think Cords for me, this is, you know, it, it became, the game became very long, and they, this is sort of, they've, they've started falling into this thing of every game we're going to add this new mechanic, you know, yeah, yeah. as a new wrinkle. And it's not that I necessarily don't like those, because they did that in the early ones, you know, they did the Cyclops and all that. But I, I, I found myself asking, what does this add to it? And it's just another layer between you and, like, getting emotional with the story. And for me, I didn't feel like the overarching plotline with the samurai guy, I can't, me- can't remember his name. <laughs> Black but- Blackwell, yeah, Blackwell, the imprisoned samurai who, like you know, both has a, a, a Ronin attitude and a hardcore prison attitude. Yeah, and you know, to me, it was sort of he combined all the elements of the worst prosecutors in the series. You know, the over the topness of Whipley of Von Karma, the convolutedness, just the, I the never... outward hostility towards everyone in the courtroom of Francisca. Yeah, I just, you know, I got to the final case, and A, I felt like some of the plot twists were way too heavily foreshadowed, to the point where, like, it's it's okay if something comes out of nowhere, that's sort of what these games do, but to me, it just felt so protracted and so dragged out, and especially because I played the DLC case where you're supposed to play it, which is apparently after the first case. Oh, sure. Um so it's just, it goes on and on and on, and I'm just like, and they keep introducing wrinkles, and I feel like, unlike in 3, where they managed to keep those wrinkles just under control, just barely, in this one, it just felt like, oh, and then now the space satellite rotated this way on its way in the other revolution, yeah. and the samurai man did this with his magic psychology powers, and, you know, he's so good at convincing, you know, it just, it was too much for me, even though I liked the characters, like I thought Athena was a great addition. I liked the dynamic between the heroes, like working together. And I just, and you're talking I about just, uh, plot twists out of left field. I think that Fulbright being a faceless assassin was one of the least predictable twists in the series. It was not predictable. No, um, I, I actually didn't necessarily mind that part because I thought he was a fun character. Yeah, he was a fun I character, think... and and the unexpected nature of him being the villain, I thought was at least at least surprising but but uh, it's also a little head scratching two two last things before i give this up to someone else i i think a the fulbright thing was a little too obvious in the final case they kind of went from he loves justice to in the final case he's like i'm gonna stick to you like glue and justice 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 and i'm everywhere (laughs) all the time and i'm like all right he's obviously the bad guy um but you know for me it was just i got to the end and i just didn't care i was like oh god the mystery is finally over this case is too long and that's sort of my issue with the entire game. All the that, that's how I long. felt about uh, about Ace Attorney Investigations One, um, just because just that that diplomatic immunity case was hours, and it should have been hour. Right. <laughs> you know. So like, I looked at you know, I you can't view your playtime, but like, 
if you can like I had you can view your playtime in Dual Destinies. You can't do it in the earlier ones. And just like by the end of Dual Destinies, I was like, this was like fifty hours, and it was just too much. Like, you know, it, it's too much. It's it's sort of like a filler season of an anime where like I like these characters and I like some of the relationship dynamics they build, but I just don't care about what's happening because ultimately it doesn't impact anyone except for Athena personally. And kind of Apollo, they they tried to do it with Apollo, where they were like, my friend was involved, and now I'm super angry about everything. So I don't know. I don't I don't mean to sound overly negative because it's not like I was miserable playing it. I just felt like with along with two and two at least had the decency to have a good final case, in my opinion, and ended in a prompt amount of time. It just felt just interminable. It just kept going on. Yeah, I think. I don't know. I didn't think that the Fulbright thing was obvious. I was just very confused by it. And I thought it was like not a good or believable ending. It was like the same as like the end of the Leighton crossover where it's like, mm. yeah, the, 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 the color black. And I'm like, what? The well, fuck? okay. Now, now Leighton as a series has its own very specific brand of nonsense that, uh, that, <laughs> that you know, because I, I, Minor spoilers for latent games. Uh, one of the endings is that everyone in the setting was actually a robot. Another one is everyone <laughs> in this, everyone in the, in that specific setting had a shared hallucination because of cave gas under the ground. And one other shared hallucination is is time travel real? No, yes, no, yes, yes, no. So Leighton is very, very weird about um, a lot of its ending stuff, and I think that. <laughs> the Leighton versus Wright game had, uh, you know, it was like half Phoenix Wright nonsense, half Professor Leighton nonsense, and as a result was completely incomprehensible. <laughs> but, uh... Because, <laughs> uh, like, like, oh no, there's actually a second town. Oh no, magic is real. Oh no, magic isn't real. Um, and oh no, yeah, we we poisoned you into thinking that the color black is invisible. It's... <laughs> I, 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 maybe we shouldn't talk about Phoenix Wright versus uh, Le- versus Professor Layton here. Um, sticking to, to Dual Destinies, um, Keegan, we've gone over the final case and a little bit about Athena herself. Uh, was there anything that jumped out to you about that game? Um, so the 3DS games, before I start, were the ones that I kind of jumped into recently. Around the time of Apollo Justice, I'd kind of fallen out of the Phoenix Wright games. Not for lack of wanting, I mean, this was, like, my late teens, so I was just like, oh, look at all this other stuff that I could start playing. You know, nothing really stuck out with me with uh, Dual Destinies. I kind of placed it along the lines of uh, uh, Justice for All also. It kind of felt... I'm basically reiterating what Steven said. It did feel like filler to me. That's so weird, because, like, I didn't feel like that, but maybe it's because I that was the second one I played. Or, like, the first, the first Ace Attorney I played, um, besides the crossover, because that's not, like, a real Ace Attorney game. So yeah, I didn't I didn't feel any of this like disappointment or like it's like lacking anything. Uh, it was a weird one to start off with because you're like you see Apollo and then he's like already like I, f- I think he I think either he's immediately like pirate Apollo with like half his eye. <laughs> yeah, like, he, yeah, he gets badly injured in uh, at the end of case one. So for the rest of the game, he's investigating something secretly and covered in ban- bandages. Yeah, and then and he's like super angsty, um, mm-hmm. and and then like, and, the, this, and then, is, this so was I, the angry Jason Todd Apollo that Stephen referred to earlier. <laughs> I I felt really like I like Apollo a lot, so like I felt really bad for him when like his best friend died and stuff, even though he has family that nobody told him about. That, but like, yeah, so I I felt bad. I think a lot of people don't don't like Athena because like you. The new person is usually like, 
Well, I guess Athena's your sidekick, but you also like play as her. Yeah, but it's sort of like Apollo in Kate in the fourth game. Uh, maybe fans thought of her as like an interloper. It's like, man, I want to control Phoenix right, not this weird lady in in yellow. Yeah. 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 yeah see, I didn't really mind. I like Athena. I think she was one of the better parts of the game, and like I like that Apollo has this interesting arc. I think, like you said, Bridget, I think part of it might also be that I had very recently played all of the other ones, so I had sort of a different expectation going in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, new writers took over the games with Dual Destinies. You know, new localization team, I think, handled from four onward. Um, So, you know, you just have this very different style that, for me, you know, I was expecting this, like, tightly knit trilogy kind of like the first ones were, because they had their own things going on, but also, like we no, said, with three... And also, kind of I think we, we maybe mentioned this before, the original writer of Ace Attorney did not work on five or six. He only did one through four, and then uh, and then he moved on to the 3DS games. Right, and so... To the spin-off games, sorry. F- for me, I think, you know, you had Apollo Justice, and Apollo Justice ends on this, like, weird pseudo-cliffhanger, and then Dual Destinies just completely ignores that. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, and I've heard that, you know, 6 does wrap up some things, but I think 4, 5, and 6 do not work like a trilogy the way the first three do. And I think, to me, that sort of lent a little bit to why I felt like it was almost filler, because I was like, okay, we haven't advanced Apollo meaningfully. Like, we've given Apollo new wrinkles, like with his friend and, you know, with him going off on his own. And, you know, you have, like, new wrinkles, like with Phoenix being at the right anything agency... And Athena's plotline. Um, yeah, I I think. So I think it is just a case of expectations, you know. Sure. Um, before we go on to the sixth game, I do want to briefly mention uh, maybe my favorite thing about uh, Dual Destinies, other than the Orca case and other than Bobby Fulbright's ridiculous detective character. I kind of love the death scene in Case Three, the one that takes place at a high school. Because oh. yeah, that case has a lot of twists and turns. There's a uh, a character who ended up being a uh, who ended up being a a woman masquerading as a man. Yeah. One character who was a the number one ranked student who actually was a terrible student who had paid all of his teachers off, and then uh, the mastermind of the whole thing ended up being this saintly teacher who has a really twisted transformation and death scene before he ends up. Uh, uh, before he ends up, you know, uh, um, being found guilty, and um, that. Oh, you mean at the lawyer college? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, right. at, the, at the law school one. Did I say high school? I, maybe I did, but it, but it's uh, yeah, it's, it's I think it's called um, it's it's at some kind of academy, and the uh, yeah. the teacher is the, is this sort of uh, you know Aristotle, almost like Grecian like toga uh, professor kind of character, but yeah. when he when he has his evil turn and his deaths and his you know, uh, his meltdown scene. It's really dramatic and great. But uh, Spirit of Justice, the uh, last Ace Attorney game, the most recent one in the main series, I think is significantly better than Dual Destinies. Um, they really get into Apollo's character in a major way. He, uh, we learn about his parentage, about his childhood, and it ends up with him doing a, not really a character turn, but him making a decision that I think... I think puts I think caps off the second trilogy if you can call it a trilogy because it, it is much more disjointed than the first three games as Stephen mentioned, um, but a lot of the uh, game takes place in a foreign country called Kurine, where the courtroom process is a sacred ritual and uh, defense attorneys are treated almost like monsters who are trying to you know like work against spiritual harmony or something, but uh, the the one co- so the, like um, the 
defense lawyers in every single case that take place in Karine, which is I think three out of the five, are uh, the entire courtroom is openly hostile to you, which is one fun wrinkle. But the best wrinkle <laughs> is that spirit mediums in Karine. Uh, oh, and you meet Maya again there because she's the uh, she's she's been there for spirit training um, since the end of uh, Ace Attorney Three. Uh, you can see th- the spirit mediums can see the final moments of a victim's death, oh. and they use that as evidence. So, yeah. like, um, as for evidence for each one of the Karine trials, you see, you basically get video that you can manipulate and analyze of the moments before of uh, before every victim's death, and and that is a weird twist. But being able to analyze the video and manipulate it is awesome is also really scary. Yeah. Like, I was so scared playing that. And I also play Ace Attorney like before I go to sleep, so it's always like really dark outside. Oh, so so like, oh, okay, let me give myself some nightmare fuel before I take a break. Oh, good. this is all hours. sufficiently horrifying. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I own that one. I really need to play it. I liked the demo. Um and it's been a long enough time since I played a Phoenix Wright game that I think I, you know, am in the mood to bring to bring it back. But um, back to Apollo Justice's arc, uh, you meet his, you meet a man who was his surrogate father from his childhood, who is a, a major character in the Karine arc of that game. And you also, uh, you don't meet his father because his father died many years ago. Um, unlike his mother, his father actually is dead. Uh, and you sort of figured out what happened to him as part of the final case of the game. The um, and his brother. And 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 you meet his brother, who was the biological son of his surrogate father. So like, there's a. This is the. I think this goes deeper into Apollo Justice's character more than uh, the fourth or fifth game does, and it's. I, I thought it was satisfying. I thought. I thought again. Th- I think three and six are the two best games in the series, and I played Spirit of Justice right when it came out. I, I have it digitally on, on my 3DS, but it's excellent. I I really recommend it to you, Stephen. Yeah. Um. I was talking to somebody about, and somebody was like, oh, I haven't played an Ace Attorney game in a while. I might start, uh, I might play six. And I was like, they were like, what's it about? And I'm like, oh, it's about Apollo. And they're like, well, I don't like Apollo, so I guess not, because I won't play that one. (laughs) Well, that person shouldn't be your friend anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's very quick to to just be like... How can they deny the love between Apollo and Clavier? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right? Also, the DLC, which brings Clavier back, is like nothing. It's like one. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, yeah, it, it's not great. Um, and also, we were talking about filler cases before. The two filler cases, which co-star Athena, that take place back in California, Japan, are <laughs> uh, are real weird. One of them, in one of them, is like a showbiz case where the murderer manipulated everything while being in a car away from the scene and is crazy. And the other one is that weird udon noodles. Um, Rakugo comedy one where an allergy to buckwheat is a major turning point. Uh, it's I think those cases are you know diversions and aren't bad, but really it's about those three cases in the Karine arc where Phoenix learns about you know lawyers that are put to death along with their clients, and then and then you get the reuni- the reunion with Maya, and then you get a super dramatic final case that is all about Apollo, and it all of that is awesome. I think that that one six is really good. Um, with like, like you like the first case you're like Phoenix, and then you're with second case you're Apollo, and and you just like go, and then you're like sometimes you're Athena, and so it's yeah, like it, enough, yeah. Like, you get Athena mm-hmm. for part of case two, and then all of case four, and then do they do they come together? Like, 
do the two storylines come together? No, not really. <laughs> it, it's 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 really the um, I'm trying to figure out how to describe this. The Karine prosecutor that you deal with for a lot of case one, three, and five comes as a visiting prosecutor in case two out of the blue, just just so he can appear in a fourth case, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he's the one. Uh, it's like it, it, it's not very cohesive, I think. Um, and I think it might have even been better if they had less Athena and just focused on the Karine stuff more. But yeah. I think it's like as an arc, it's very satisfying, and uh, and it it's again, it's the definitive Apollo Justice game. Um, so Keegan, uh, you've played Spirit of Justice as well. Is there something that you remember particularly good or bad from it that uh, is sticking to you? Actually, I did want to say Spirit of Justice is the one that I have not played. Oh, I did not get the chance to interject that earlier, and I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my bad. But well, I, I don't think we've spoiled the ending, so we'll we'll avoid that, Bridget. No. But there's a uh, it gets crazy, oh. and the the but the spirit medium trials where you see like the last moments of uh, of each victim. That really struck mm. struck out to me as cool, and uh, and um, I think the the demo which Stephen mentioned before is basically the first case, which is again worth it's, trying it's, out. It's part of the first case. Okay. Um, it's right up through I think the first or second of the like view the death sequences. Okay, and um, also the, I should mention uh, Bridget knows this too. There's a very cute dog in this game. There is a cute dog. He's good. Yeah, he's a very good boy. <laughs> Um, I remember I was playing six, like I played it as soon as it came out. And then like, so then spoilers were like, or like people were talking about it on social media, which is the first time I've ever played an Ace Attorney game that was like that. And like slowly I kept seeing like statuses and tweets and stuff that were like, that were like crying emoji, like Apollo, no. (laughs) And I was like, what, what is going to happen to Apollo in this game? Like, and I was like, so scared to like even get to the last case because I was like, does, does he die like and i was like so sad like in yeah like i because i thought that he was gonna die but uh. i think uh this series and the uh danganronpa series are the two that i've avoided spoilers at all costs for so long and it was so worth it yeah danganronpa is almost made of plot so it's like uh i think i think i'm i'm usually I usually don't give a hot damn about spoilers, but uh, for Danganronpa, I think of what because that game is the, like its plot and who dies and who survives is so crucial to it. Yeah, um, th- th- that's important. We uh, we have four Danganronpa podcasts on our fine website network of podcasts: two about Danganronpa one, one about two. All three of those are on this podcast, and one Danganronpa V three spoiler cast that we recorded for Random Encounter last year. So please listen to those listeners if you're into Danganronpa. But back to Ace Attorney. We've run through the whole series. We, we briefly touched on the Daigakuten and Saibon games that are, you know, split between Meiji Japan and Victorian England. We talked about the Ace Attorney Investigations games. Uh, Steven, did you play Investigations 2, Gyakuten Kenji 2? Um, I played. I have it. I've played a little bit of it. I know that that game is supposed to have a cool judge. Because um, uh, it, it's a lady judge who either... I don't know if she's the villain or if she's being blackmailed or something, but, like, having a judge... It, basically, it's the game where the judge is briefly your enemy, which is the the twist in that one. Yeah, a lot of my friends that have played it um, in Japanese actually think it's better than the first one pretty substantially. Um, I, I, I've heard it's good, but I don't know anything. I know very little about it except that the judge is supposed to be a good character in it. I will say, but, though, um, I know that uh, for one case in uh, uh, Investigations 2, you get to play as, uh, I believe it's Gregory Edgeworth, uh, Miles' father. Oh, which. So- Oh, that that has to be a, a flashback then, because he yeah, died. there's one he... flashback case. Yes, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. like 
he's possessing <laughs> or something. Oh, they no, introduce he's... zombies into investigations too, and it's very weird. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, okay, for a second I thought you weren't joking. My bad. Oh, no. You, Total you, joke. Yeah, Steven could make something up about Investigations 2, and I basically believe it wholesale. But, oh, my um, God, you were joking. Oh, my God. Stars Mickey <laughs> <Right>? Mouse. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is the, uh, you know, the this is in Japan, so it's uh, Ricky Mouse. Dorai Mouse. Stop. Stop it. Stop. What? <laughs> 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 well, okay, no, if, if I'm if I'm trying to make a Disney Doraemon portmanteau word, I think it's probably the end of the episode. <laughs> um, we've been going for nearly 90 minutes, but so listeners, thank you so much for sticking with us for this long, and panelists, thank you so much for recording this with me. I had a lot of fun, uh, and we also have a lot of fun set for the future on Retro Encounter. Uh, next week, we begin our first Mass Effect episode. Um, I am not on those, but I know that Caitlin and Nathan and that crowd is very excited to be talk, playing, talking and playing Mass Effect 1 for you guys. And I think we also have an episode in the work about uh, very about some boss battles, uh, super boss battles, favorite boss battles, something of that nature that uh, I don't think it's recorded yet, but Peter is going to host that and he's having a lot of fun planning it. But what I'm really excited to talk about is what we're doing in July for Retro Encounter. Um, we've been planning this for a long time, but... You might know that uh, RPG Fan is in its 20th anniversary this year in 2018. Happy, bir- happy birthday. <laughs> and also, RPG Fan bef- used to have a different name. It used to be a fan site for the Lunar series of RPGs and was, in fact, called Lunar Net. And so for the month of July, over four episodes, we will be playing Lunar 1 and Lunar 2, that is Silver Star Story and Eternal Blue, to awesome classic RPGs for the Sega CD that later had ports to the Saturn and PlayStation 1 that became very popular. And I think the first one also had ports to the GBA and PSP. Uh, So anyway, four episodes all about Lunar. I am fishing out my old PS1 copies of those games and playing through them. It is confusing because I'm also playing uh, Xenoblade 2 at the same time. And Switching between Lunar One and Xenoblade Two is com- is completely insane because like Xenoblade Two has like you know four di- like twelve different kinds of affinity shops and every character and every side character has their favorite kind of food and there's like eight systems when you just do your regular attacks and the most complicated thing in Lunar One is like oh some characters have four spells and some have eight spells yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of a difference but anyway Lunar One and Lunar Two episodes coming in July I am trying to finish Lunar One before I leave on a plane for E3 so that's what I am doing this week uh, and I think that about sets the future of Retro Encounter so before we sign off um, starting with you Keegan how can listeners find you alright folks um, well you can find me on the uh, RPG fan boards as Fozzie Bear over there and I'm very active on my personal Twitter, and that is at Kaylee Brand. Stop on by sometime. Waka Give me a shout-out. <laughs> ah. There's a very funny story behind my name that I will tell eventually, but I promise you it has nothing to do with Muppets, and it was a horrible coincidence. Oh, I'm, I'm disappointed now. <laughs> I, was, I was ready for a Muppet flashback. Okay. Well, thanks, Keegan. Hmm. Oh, we'll get to that story eventually. <laughs> okay, Stephen, how can listeners uh, find out what you're up to? Oh, don't. No, just kidding. Uh, You can find me. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I talk a lot about video game music and localization because that is what I do. SJM Talis. I can confirm both of those things are true. You can buy some of the games I've worked on. You could buy Psychedelic of the Black Butterfly, Bad Apple Wars from Axis, Occupus Beat from Exceed, if you really want. 
You could buy the Persona 5 art book, which I translated. You could do all kinds of cool stuff. Um, but probably Twitter would be the freest way to do it. All right. And Bridget, your turn. How can listeners reach out to you? Um, I'm pretty active on Twitter. Um, I am Squidged, so that's S-Q-U-I-J-I-D. It's like Bridget, but like Squidged, like Squid, because <laughs> I like Splatoon. So. You, uh, you are very into Splatoon, and your dedication to that uh, fan base and game is very impressive to me. And also, <laughs> I thank you for introducing me to the Splatoon 1 soundtrack, which is dope. Yeah, mm. which is amazing. It's like, yeah, okay, I can talk about that for a long time. <laughs> thank you, Bridget. Thank you, Steven. Thank you, Keegan, if you visit RPGFan.com, listeners, you can find links to their Twitter, Facebook, Discord, Instagram, forums, all kinds of great RPG fan content. There's uh, another podcast called Random Encounter, which is more, more focused on what people are currently playing and what RPGs are coming out, hosted by Derek Heemsberg, and that is a delightful listen. And if you want to reach me directly, the best way to do so is at the Real Monsoon on Twitter when I am, you know, acting relatively more normal and at evoker for dogs on twitter when i'm going crazy about japanese superheroes <laughs> and like what persona q characters have the best individual skills or nonsense like that boy we talked a lot about cartoon anime lawyers. thank you <laughs> good night and people good adios bye